This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Rashabon from Aviante, and our topic today is something I've wanted to talk about forever, so I'm so glad that Rashab actually uh, brought this to me, is reducing recruiting friction. And uh, so I just can't wait to get into this. I want to. I want to. I want to talk for days or hours at least about it. But we we only have so much time. So Rashad, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Aviante? Great. Well, firstly, uh, thank you so much for having me. Sure. Very excited to have this discussion with you. Uh, I'm Rashad Mehrotra, CEO of Aviante, uh, and as uh, some of you may know, Aviante is uh, one of the leading players in the healthcare staffing software. Uh, we are a leader in mobile talent enablement, uh, as well as providing end-to-end uh, recruiting and payroll software for uh, staffing companies in the industry. I love it. So well, let's talk about friction. Um, and um, obviously, uh, you know, we're we're in what we what historically would be considered an employer-driven market. But what you and I probably are going to agree on is that the talent doesn't see it that way right and uh and i've said this uh for the last couple of years is that they're thinking the talent's thinking in seconds minutes and hours and we're still kind of locked into kind of months uh, weeks and days and uh and and you know i want to get your take on kind of just that premise and then also how do we how do we start how do we start tackling friction what what friction's there and how do we tackle it yeah, I, I think I'd start by, as, as you said, you know, employer-driven market. One of the things that we started talking about over a year ago was that there is the consumerization of staffing uh, that's happening, the consumerization of employment. We're in a cyclical change in the labor industry where the demand for labor is greater than supply. And so, in effect, when we start thinking about uh, talent and, and people, they're consumers. They're consumers of jobs. And so when we we put that context, the, the role reverses. In the past, if you were an employer, you know, and you needed people to work for you, people would line up. Now the reverse is true. If you're a staffing company and you have talent, you're going to, you know, be able to get, get clients. Or if you're an employer and you have talent, you're going to actually be able to execute on your work, uh, you know, faster and better. And so I think that role reversal really creates us to now start thinking about talent as consumers. And what do we do when we have consumers, we want to make sure that, you know, consumers have the easy button. They, you know, they reduce friction uh, when we want to enable consumers to buy. All the examples from, you know, Amazon or Uber, et cetera, they all remove friction from the process of that, you know, purchase experience. Yeah, it's, it's funny that especially the uh, younger generations, they grew up with that, that little X in the right-hand corner of their life, right? So, like my my sons are uh, seventeen and thirteen respectively, and man, they they download a game, and they'll they'll try it, and if it doesn't work or it's jinky in any way, shape, or form, they delete it, and they just move, <laughs> and, they, and they move on quickly. And so you you know you apply that kind of mentality to jobs, and they see a posting. So this goes all the way back to the friction of like a job posting, 
you know, or a job description. If they see something and they're like, eh, no, delete, it's too easy to kind of just get out of the process. Right. I, I have kids and it's it's the same thing. I think we, we've trained a generation of consumers that, you know, expect friction out of the process. And, right. and, and it's for a good reason. You know, when I was thinking about friction, you know, we think about frictionless environments and it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, a bit esoteric, but, uh, you know, a satellite going through space or a machine operating efficiently. And when we think about it in terms of human behavior, friction creates stress. And mm-hmm. so every time we create, you know, stress, on a on a on a on a person as they go through a process of you know applying for a job or when they're at a job you know how are they dealing with some of the administrative aspects of it that that friction is creating stress and the more stress we create when somebody doesn't have a choice we we take the stress when we have the choice we will do exactly as you said you know go to the next one and find that opportunity that's going to take away that you know that stress or that friction in the experience of getting hired or working somewhere it's 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 really uh, interesting. If if their job is about friction, so let's say they're in, you're hiring someone uh, that has to deal with a lot of friction. They have to deal with, you know, maybe it's customer satisfaction, and they, they've got to deal with a lot of friction. I can see an environment where you're testing them to see if they can put up with friction. Other than that, <laughs> other than that, there really is no need because uh, my gut tells me, I don't have any uh, empirical evidence to prove this, but my gut tells me that it's the people that actually go through that process, the painful, loaded with friction process are not necessarily the people you want. That, that that's exactly right. It's it's sort of the talent that you want is the talent that should demand, you know, a frictionless process. <laughs> if, if we think about the you know the different industries right we we have now an environment where people may be taking you know shifts uh, or two shifts in a week and not you know five shifts in a week uh, and that's just you know in terms of you know uh, shift workers uh, and and if you think about something like that the more friction that you have in the process the less fungible their their time is the whole concept of dynamic employment you know, becomes a reality when you remove, you know, friction from from the process. If we think about industries like healthcare, where there's, you know, real shortage of 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 you know nurses and you know trained technicians, etc., how you create a frictionless process, you know, also allows improvement in productivity, and then you're able to go serve, you know, uh, the the end patient or the end you know user a lot more if you're taking out the friction in the process, and now you're giving people an ability to have, you know, much more opportunities available right at their fingertips when they want it and when they're able to be available. So I think in many ways we increase the productivity of labor, we increase and affect the labor market that's available by reducing friction uh, in in the process. So what, especially with you and your clients, what examples of friction are you seeing kind of pop up right now? Because you know, I see kind of response time, you know, it's just a lot of it's process and technology related, but some of it's also kind of the mentality, kind of the way we've done it uh, in the past. And some, some, some of it's people related, but I see a lot of a process and tech stuff, like, like I said, response time or um, not letting people know where they're at in the process, like just simple kind of wayfinding stuff. I mean, what do you, and then it's just be kind of more on the meta side, but what do you, what do you see? 
I, I think where where we start is if you look at the process of saying I'm going to start by applying for a job and then you know how do I go through the, the the process of interviewing and then all the way to you know getting an offer and then getting on to a schedule and recording my time and getting paid and and then figuring out what's my next opportunity especially in the you know temp staffing industry at every step of that way you need to think about it as a funnel is where are we creating friction that's how how we think about it and so then the metrics are what's what's your fill rate you know what's your time to fill that you have and how can you change that so one example we have for example with um with our uh, mobile platform that that we've launched with uh, work in and 24-7 is we saw that, you know, the fill rates went up significantly from, you know, in the low 60s to the to the 90s. And that's, you know, 50 percent improvement in fill rate. But what, what it did was it gave the power to, to the to the people, the power to the person to figure out what shift they wanted to be on. And when they chose themselves, uh, they actually showed up. And so the fill rates went up because we reduced friction in the process. It's something that we see in other aspects of our lives, right? When I go to a restaurant, I go to Open Table or Resi, and I'm able to, you know, look at my phone, pick when I want to go, and they tell me right away, you know, your reservation is confirmed. And then 30 minutes before I'm supposed to go, or a day before, please confirm that you're going to be there. And so by encouraging me to be a participant in that process, by encouraging me to be an owner of you know that that process in effect you're not just eliminating friction but you're getting greater buy-in and ownership and that's that's one example of things that we lo- look to do in our process to to encourage you know lower friction but also greater ownership from the side of talent and engage them uh to to uh to get to work do you think we're driving especially in healthcare where the we are so understaffed and we we just don't make enough healthcare professionals just to deal with the, the the needs that we have today much less the needs we'll have tomorrow do you do you think we're driving towards kind of a as you as you said more kind of a highly personalized hiring experience where the talent drives a little bit more where maybe maybe they kind of have a hand in 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 creating the experience themselves like i want to I, it's all about fit, right? So, I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to interview uh, my hiring manager. I want to. I want to. I want to interview with the team. I want to interview with former team members, like whatever the bit is. But they get more of a, a not not just a hand in it, but they two candidates applying for the same job could could, could possibly have two different experiences. Do you yeah, think I, we're driving I, towards that? You, you raise raise a great great point. So one one part of creating that frictionless employment and and engagement from a talent standpoint is how do we give them ownership of the process right and we we've seen that happen if if we go in any other industry you know in 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 the past if you wanted to order something from land's end you'd you know you'd get on your phone you call somebody would answer and and so you had this interaction now you know if you're going to amazon you're gonna you're gonna click on a few buttons and you're taking ownership of that process so that's one part of it i think the other piece which you're mentioning which i think is equally important we've seen a a few of our clients do that is they will provide you know a a video of the surroundings that somebody's going to be working with and so how do you create that personalized experience to think about here's where you're going to be here's the type of people you're going to be working with and so i not only feel you know an easier process to get to work again reducing my stress the stress that when i do get to work you know how do you onboard me how do i know who else i'm working with what the environment's going to look like that also reduces my stress and encourages me to be part of 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 that work environment and and in in a market where 
we are competing for for labor if we can simplify those things it's the difference between having someone you know who can show up and therefore for you to you know build out uh, your products and services or not so how do we self identify where the friction is uh, or how do we maybe not self identify how do we how do we garner that data to understand where friction is for our team, right? But also in uh, talent. So in the entire recruiting experience, like, you know, there's sourcing, there's recruitment marketers, there's uh, recruiters, there's hiring managers, there's candidates. There's a lot of different people to solve for. Got it. But how do we, what are, what are some of the starter ways in which to kind of understand where friction exists? So one of the things we did at Aviante is to solve this is we, we created a, a uh, new business intelligence, you know, platform, and and because of where we sit in the industry, we have you know a mobile platform, we have you know recruiting platform, and we have payroll platform. It means we have an incredible amount of data of you know what's the percentage of people that apply, how many people start a form, how many people you know finish the form and show up, and so on and so forth, and you know who get even even pay data around things. Uh, and so we've been able to create a very strong business analytics platform that. We share with our, you know, with our clients, and they can use that to make decisions. And so, ultimately, you're looking at, you know, the funnel of employment as as one example, and seeing, you know, how we should be making decisions or which step of the process should I be working on. And and it depends on, you know, how clients are deploying technology. One, you know, one staffing company or one employer may have an issue in terms of finding people into the funnel, but they do a great job after that. Others may, you know, bring people in, but then for them to be able to retain and redeploy them, you know, might might be an issue that they face. And so I think uh, taking a data-driven approach is, is something that uh, we highly encourage. And then the other is, you know, just looking at how how you've deployed your processes, where, you know, wh- where are the, the, the areas that you're unable to you know, solve for, and then using technology to to solve for them. I think technology is a means to an end, you know, not a panacea. And so the more we can be targeted in its approach, uh, the better it's going to be from from an outcome standpoint. Do you, do you believe that we get to a frictionless environment or is it the pursuit of reducing friction? Like, like uh, you know, do we ever get to a point where there, you know, it's, there's just no friction? Like the the bell rings and there's just no friction, or is it more of a the more we learn about friction, the more that friction changes, or the talent changes and friction changes? Like, what's what's kind of your just your take on? Are we navigating to just kind of all continuously be reducing friction? I, I I think that's a, that's a great question. You know, we are currently in an environment where there is a lot of friction, and and so you know, kind of stepping through it. Uh, putting in place, you know, the components, how do we create more of, you know, digitization of certain components of, you know, the recruiter talent experience? How do we, you know, automate things like onboarding and 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 even things like time and looking at your pay and all of those things? Uh, the, each of those sort of individu- individually reduce friction, it gets it to a point where the talent is now very comfortable in going through this experience, just as we've gone up a learning curve in other aspects of, you know, the consumer uh, industry where we use technology. I think this is a bit of a journey. And so the goal is to get to a frictionless environment 
but relationships would also always matter in, in staffing. As you'd mentioned earlier, it's like, who am I working with? What environment am I working in? And so some of those softer aspects are going to become, you know, even more important. Uh, and those are less about friction. Those are more about personal relationships. And so you can take out friction in terms of process using technology, but then it should leave the time to have more, you know, personal relationships. And, and, and I think that that's kind of the combination we're going for. In healthcare in particular, what are some of the things that drives talent away, that creates the most friction? Like if you were to kind of build a, a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but like what is, if they could, and again, people that are listening to this that are, that are in healthcare, they probably already know this, but if they didn't, what would they solve for first? I, I think in, in, in healthcare, it's it's being able to provide flexibility to the talent around schedules and scheduling. Uh, that's one of the ways where, you know, we've got, you know, folks that in healthcare could be doing two different shifts and and they want flexibility to be able to use that with their time, as opposed to saying there's a monolithic, you know, 40 hour a week shift that you got to do and it's all or nothing. The more you can break it up into dynamic employment of saying, I, I want to do Mondays and Wednesdays and I have the flexibility to do it. And now somebody else wants to do, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays and, and we fill that in. I think that that's one big component I see, you know, in, in, in healthcare. And then just the whole process of being able to, uh, you know, go through that experience and on board, because in some cases in health healthcare, you will be, you know, working in different hospitals, for example, how do I, you know, onboard you faster to do it, that makes me more conducive to say, hey, I want to work here, versus go choose to go go somewhere else. And, and I think in health healthcare, there's, there's a real shortage of people. So, you know, talent has choice. Yeah, and I think talent, even even outside of healthcare, I think talent, even in in environments where there isn't as much scarcity as there is in, in maybe software engineering or healthcare, et cetera, they're still they're choo- they're they're choosing their path. The talent is choosing the way that they want to work, how they want to work, when they want to work. So I, I love that you brought up scheduling. You know, first it's like okay, you got to solve for this. This is a real pain point for them. So get there fast. You know, it pays probably somewhere, uh, you know, pretty close to the top of the list with healthcare because, you know, again, um, a lot of the folks not, you know, it's bifurcated, right, in healthcare. So there's a lot of folks that are hourly and they'll move jobs because they have options. They'll move jobs for a dollar more an hour somewhere else. So getting to compensation probably faster than maybe we normally would have in other environments is probably important. I, I think the you know the extra dollar an hour obviously all things equal someone will take, but if you have more you know more flexibility in the schedule, mm-hmm. yep. take schedules, get jobs that you want. You know, uh, there, there's there's a tipping point at which you you sort of say, hey, I can get more hours by doing this piece, and so even if I'm getting a dollar less an hour or, or the same. I'm gonna I'm gonna work with someone who enables me to make you know more of a full time career out of you know shifts that I'm gonna take and and I get both flexibility and I get the ability to you know have more consistency of pay right because those are the two things right it's sort of you know price times volume so I need to have both in order to make sure you know the I'm, I'm maximizing my own returns as as an employee. You all been doing great work in in healthcare as long as I can remember. Uh, have, did you see from the pandemic, before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and obviously still technically we're in the pandemic? Let's just say now. Um, have you seen changes in kind of the desires and motivations of talent uh, in healthcare talent in particular? Like, it, has it always been scheduling and flexibility? 
and we just didn't realize it or we just maybe didn't emphasize it as much? Or uh, did you see because of the pand pandemic that maybe it's more emphasized? Like what, because you've studied this stuff for all, so long. <laughs> the pandemic definitely was an accelerator of trends. So I wouldn't, you know, I, I think there was uh, certain cyclical trends that were happening in the industry. The pandemic was just a catalyst in many ways. So it was a catalyst to, you know, the adoption of certain types of, you know, mobile technology. I think people realized that they could have more flexibility that, you know, in many ways we as, you know, employers and employees didn't think we could, you know, have. And so I think it changed a bit of the fabric of saying, wait, wait, wait a second, we can give more flexibility and it's not a trade-off against productivity. And, and because the uh, earlier on it was like, well, you had to have, you know, fixed schedules on certain things. If you're talking about schedules or fixed jobs and everybody had to work in the same place, but, you know, now we're all much more comfortable with hybrid environments. And in some cases that, you know, flexibility is driving much greater, you know, productivity. So I, th I think the pandemic certainly accelerated uh, certain trends. So with uh, with that being said, we've obviously scheduling flexibility, compensation. Are there other kind of kit? Kind of quick wins that recruiters and and talent uh, talent acquisition leaders, hiring managers, or even just executives that care about talent. Is there any other things that you'd give them advice on just kind of where to look for friction? The the the, the couple of other areas I would mention, and and we've been talking a lot from a standpoint of talent. If we switch and say what from a standpoint of recruiters, how do I drive recruiter productivity, for example? And how do I, you know, improve my own metrics in terms of making sure that I can find the talent once and deploy them more than once, right? If I can keep them in my ecosystem, then you know, by the nature of it, I can be more productive. And so from a recruiter, you know, uh standpoint, I think. For them, the productivity comes from saying, how do I go expand the one-to-many relationship? How do I take some of the tasks that take me a lot of administrative time and simplify it so that it actually is you know, something that the talent is clicking and saying, yep, I'm going to get on a shift and I'm not calling them about it. And I'm able to go from one to many and, and, and automate a certain set of processes to do that. And that leaves me the time to build more relationship with, with people or more relationships with my clients. Uh, so I think that's, that's how it, it can be you know, really shifting uh, the way recruiters and talent interact. Uh, to you know, build a strong bond through technology, but leaving time, you know, for them to also build real relationships. What's your take? I've I've said this for years, but uh, you know, I get mixed results um, about recruiters applying for their own jobs. You know, basically, you know, you're about to put up a new job. You put up a new job, or however you do it, and uh, and then the first applicant should be you know you or someone on your team go through the process to see what the process is like. And I've gotten mixed again through the years. I've gotten mixed results. <laughs> I'm not saying that to people. I, I think from a product management standpoint, I'm a firm believer of that. So, for example, we we use our own software uh, to recruit for our for our own company that that we you know provide to our clients. Um, and uh, you know, I also think about you know when I've gone to speak with clients, I go onto the sites and see in some cases what's that experience of me applying as as talent and it taught me a lot in terms of wh where's the friction in their process and so i think if you're thinking about solving you know from a, a product standpoint it can work really well i think if you're in the receiving and you don't have any control on changing the product it might be you know less fruitful you just understand more you know you might just get more empathy for you know for the for the talent but but you can't do too much more about it other than empathize with them on the process. I think 
we sit in a situation where we can continue to improve products uh, that you know help the recruiters and the talent. And so for me, I, I think it's it's a must do. I think I love the way that you say that empathy is is uh, even if they can't control it, if they go through that process, they now have understand the process and they can also do wayfinding. It's like, okay, listen, you're going to take an assessment. Uh, you know, like I can see a recruiter that can't necessarily impact it that, that goes through that process that then talks to candidates and says, okay, this is going to, I applied to this job. So this is, <laughs> you know, here's what I learned in applying. It's going to take you about 30 minutes. You're going to have to do this. The assessment looks like this. Like it's the whole process is going to take about an hour, you know, whatever the bit is, you know, like being able that empathy, like you said, being able to draw that out and then communicate that to a candidate, I think would, even in a case where you can't control it, I think would be really powerful. But from a product perspective, I think you're absolutely right. Now, I love the fact that with your own clients, you go and do that because I just think it's super informative to understand where they are in their journey. And and I, I think what what you were when you were talking about how the recruiter and the empathy piece, I, I actually think that is reducing the stress in another different way, right? If 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 I can have empathy for a person of hey, this is what you're gonna go through, they're by definition, going to be more related to me, and 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 so that's why I think what what you can solve with te- technology solve, and you know, there's a lot that you can also solve with with empathy and just understanding and walking in the other person's shoes, and that's that's something I advocate for our you know clients as well as you know walk in the shoes of talent uh, and understand how they're going through the process, what they're going through. It's it's a very stressful experience, you know, for people to find a job, to not have a job, and and so how do we create more empathy in that process is going to end up building better relationships. And and, and that and those do matter at the end. Drops Mike walks off stage, ladies and gentlemen, Rashad, this has been absolutely fantastic. We could have obviously been talking about this for another two or three hours, but I know you got to get on to your next thing. So thank you so much for your time and wisdom. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thanks for everyone listening to the recruiting daily podcast until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruiting.